Welcome, Jenny. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, today with us, Jenny L from the Jenny L YouTube channel. And thank you for joining us today. Of course, I'm, I'm happy to. Like I said, uh, we haven't uh, spoken to each other in years, actually. And so now I'm, I'm happy to reconnect from, from St. Andrews. That's, that's nice. So yeah, you, you said uh, we studied together for our master's program and yet yeah, it's recently reconnected um, because of, of basically your hobby, um, which is <laughs> watches. And I mean, you know a lot more than I do, for sure. Um, this yeah. is why we, we, we want to jump in into that today and, and see how did you get into that? Um, what sure. are trends that you see? Um, what have you learned so far? How long have you been? in that industry um mm -hmm. and yeah just hear a little bit uh, from you so what is your hobby about Do you have a youtube channel what is this about yeah so basically what i do is i talk about mostly wristwatches on my youtube channel and what i do is all sorts of things like reviews or just talk about different like overarching topics in the watch industry like uh, women and watches or certain trends or brands and all that stuff And I always find it very interesting. And so that's basically what I do all day. And I try to upload every week, like a one video per week kind of situation. Okay. And that's that's basically it, I would say. That's like the short version of, of what I do. Okay. And how did you how did you get into that? I mean, we both studied um, in St. Andrews International Business. Mm -hmm. So I went another way into the brand marketing <laughs> communications field. Um, and you went a complete different way as well, I guess. So how did you get into that? Well, see, I, I always was interested in all things with like a rich history or heritage and watches sort of cover that field. But it was actually my husband who was my boyfriend at the time or fiance, whatever you want to call it, who sent me, I was away in St. Andrews actually, and he sent me a picture of his first uh, more expensive watch, which was an Oyster Perpetual, the 39 millimeter, which got discontinued, the Rolex one. And he was like, yo, Jenny, I, I bought a watch. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible, but you're crazy. This is way too expensive. But it kind of got me into like watches and I started to Google it and you kind of fall into this rabbit hole, which I'm sure you can relate because you also are interested in watches. And yeah, time passed and we both graduated and I went back to Germany and my husband one day decided to film a video about watches because here's the thing, uh, back in 2018-ish, there wasn't that much content about wristwatches in German. And so he was like, you know what, I've got so many questions because the watch industry is super complex and the dynamics within that industry are very interesting as well. And he had lots of questions. I had lots of questions. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and try to answer these questions and film it and share it with everyone that speaks German. And that's how it all started. So we had the German channel for a year. And then I took the plunge and decided to start my own one in English. And that's how I'm here now. Okay. And we kind of, we do share certain topics, but uh, we do have different tastes sometimes. So... It's a lot of different content in German and in English. Okay, I, I mean that's I, I think what is what is important. And you mentioned one point. I think that's interesting as how I feel about the the industry or like the overarching 
watch collecting scene. It <laughs> is complex and it's something, it feels a bit like being knowledgeable about wine or old yeah. cars. It's, it's, you don't want That's to say point. something wrong. It's just something that if you're not really, really into it, you do not talk about it because you are embarrassed to say something wrong. So yeah, yeah, I, how, how do you start becoming knowledgeable and not embarrass yourself? Right. I, I absolutely do. I, I still feel that way, by the way, that never stops. Um, and yeah, anyone who listened to this, let me know if it stopped for you. But actually you like, you start out reading about one thing and then you get really into it and then you kind of feel like you know what's going on and then you meet someone else online or like in real life and you realize like, oh God, I know nothing. So that will always be the case. But what I always recommend to kind of get into it and learn more about it is to try to find as many different voices as possible and try to read up on what they think about it, do your own research and kind of just go along with what you find most interesting. Because I think that's the one thing about the watch hobby that kind of stands out to me is that people say, oh, you can only be a true... Ugh, cringe about that word watch lover if you know about like movements if you know the in and outs of movements if you don't know about the movement you are you don't know watches basically which i think is completely wrong and what is a movement uh, for that sake oh right okay <laughs> so uh it's basically what makes the watch tick and you can have all sorts of movements you can have um let's say a mechanical movement and it can be hand wound so you powered by like winding it up with your fingers or you have an automatic movement, which uses a rotor to wind up the watch. There are quartz movements, which are powered by a battery. So um, I see you are, and, you are very familiar with those, with those movements. Well, see, like listening to that now from like a, perhaps an outside perspective might sound very smart, but please believe me, this is, this is really basic. And people are so much more knowledgeable about different watch parts and movements, and they know all the numbers and all the specs and stuff. But that's just the, the the basic gist of it all. Okay. But yeah, I think that's that's the one thing. Uh, I think you can like watches. You can be a watch lover and just just like in quotation marks love the design, and that's completely fine. You're you're welcome at my watch loving table. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> where where do you draw the line if there is a line uh, to begin with between? Mm -hmm. Somebody is collecting watches for the sake of hobby, or somebody is. For the collecting watch for the sake of investment where do you mm -hmm. do you see a difference there do you see like most of the people do a or do b or both right um well that, that's that's a good question and i think it it really touches on a very sensitive topic in like the watch community because i feel like there's one type of like there's this one group of people who are very much into the investment aspect of it which I think is completely fine. Like if if you are in this because you see it as an interesting way to invest, I mean, you do you. It doesn't really impact me. I don't really see it as a threat to like the watch lovers, which I'll probably get a lot of criticism for, but that's okay. Um, if there is a line, I would say, yeah, there is a line. I think some people really only like they buy a certain watch and then they put it into a safe and that's it. I would, yeah, that's that's like the pure investment. And then you also have these people who really do not care and just wear whatever and buy whatever. But that also kind of, you also have to have the privilege of like the money to be able to 
collect their own watches like that. Like if you do not care about money at all, I feel like you just wear and buy whatever you want. Um, but like, I have to be honest, if I am going for a certain watch, I do like look at the prices and how it kind of develops, like if I can afford it or not. And because I sometimes get so indecisive about my watches, like I love it for a year and then I kind of get bored with a certain watch, for example. I kind of want to know if I can get my money back or if I can buy it for a certain price, will I be able to sell it and then perhaps reinvest in another watch? That's important to me. I mean, I'm, I'm not a millionaire. Uh, I mean, I wish, but I'm not. So these things are important to me and I think important to a lot of people. And yeah, you just have to be chill and don't really judge people for whatever they own watches for, I would say. Okay. Basically. Do, you, <laughs> do you i think that's that's i uh, fair fair enough for for someone on the outside of, of all of that um these are just basic topics that that i would have maybe other people have because it's such a right such a like you said a complex environment where you don't really know and you quickly feel like an outsider if you don't know um so mm -hmm. if you say you also wear watches um, that you collect, not only you put them in the safe, um, and you said, see, there's a certain budget that is also allocated depending on the brand that you want and sort of the model that you want. And we spoke about one the other day. That's certainly, in my opinion, on the higher side. I don't know if it's... Yeah, absolutely. Actually. So um, <laughs> do you say it's this is where it all starts or are there cheaper models that are worth looking at for people who want to get into it, but don't have 50,000 euros, dollars to spend. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely, like for sure. You can get great watches from like 11 euro, basically, because it all depends on what you want from your watch and how you, it, it kind of, it, it might sound a bit cliche or cheesy, but it sort of is an extension of yourself and kind of a form of self-expression, especially for men. I mean, you guys are, sort of not allowed and obviously take that with a grain of salt when I say not allowed, but the type of jewelry men are allowed to wear from like a society kind of perspective, yeah, very limited, which which is not cool. I mean, everyone should wear whatever they want. But so I, I see it especially for men to be some sort of self-expression or former self-expression. And so you can start self-expressing with an 11 euro watch. Like, for example, I do have, it was a gift from my dad, but it, it's a really affordable watch. It is a Casio uh, F91W. It's like your um, like very old school digital quartz watch from Casio. The, the it's like the standard. gray one, right? Is it? Yeah, you can, it's like, like a black-ish okay. um, case. It's, it's a plastic quartz watch. It's very affordable. But I think it's, it's first of all, it's one of my, my most favorite watches in my collection that I have. I, I like it so much because it's just so cool. So you don't have to like start out with like a 5,000 euro watch and be a part of it. Uh, on the contrary, just go for whatever you like and what you want to wear and what you feel most comfortable with and then just start from there. If you want to move up, that's cool. But if you don't, then just don't and enjoy everything the watch community has to offer basically. I think that's that's a beautiful point of view. Um, and I, I know what I think the Casio. I know what you're talking about, um, and it's it's almost a and it became an icon again. I would say like something that people come back to now because it's a bit retro and it it just fits 
the overall vibe and culture yeah. we're going through right now. Um, That's a good point. How do you see, like, you know, that whole watch environment, like Casio, um, Rolex, different brands that we talked about, mm -hmm. how do you see the development of smart watches? How do they fit in the whole thing? Because I need to sort of ask. Yeah, yeah. We, we're, for people who don't see it, but but listening, we both wear smartwatches right now. Um, so like how the development of smartwatches is going to have an impact on on wristwatches? Yeah, like how do you see as a collector, do mm -hmm. they fit in? Is that a real watch for you? Or is that more of a, I don't know, sort of a tech gear, but it's actually more of a smartphone <laughs> thing and you don't really see it as a watch because it's i don't know you say you're on the historical yeah. side of things and you're passionate about that topic and i mean to be honest smart watches i mean they're helpful in many mm -hmm. ways but how much are they watch and wrist watch for you <laughs> <laughs> that's that's such a good question because i did uh, i did make a video about my apple watch on my youtube channel and i was a bit hesitant to to upload it because i knew people did not expect me to talk about something that is usually not considered to be a watch in the watch community. And I wouldn't see because like some people say I look like an idiot wearing like two things at like both arms. Like I on my right hand, I wear my Apple watch and on my left hand, I wear my mechanical watch. Simply because it's not a watch in that sense to me. That one, it I can... Uh, um, accept calls on this one. I can send messages. I can track my fitness routine if I had one right now. Um, but yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, so that's just like an extension of my iPhone because so I don't have to like carry my iPhone with me. I mean, female listeners, you can relate. Female jeans don't really have pockets deep enough to carry an iPhone. So this is my substitute and that's my watch. So I think it can definitely exist next to each other and people can enjoy both, both things at the same time. Um, I don't think it will, some people have said like, oh my God, smartwatches will replace wristwatches. Um, but I mean, that if, if that would have been the case, I think it would have happened a long time ago. Uh, I mean, wristwatches, mechanical ones are outdated Anyways, I mean, nobody, quartz watches, the ones with the battery, are much more precise, uh, much more affordable. So there really isn't a logical reason to, to go for a mechanical watch if you can, if you bring in the like precision factor of it. But I think that's so, also not what, what people own watches for, right? It's more for the mm -hmm. brand fuck then because there's an emotional value to it and it's just... Yeah, it's sort of an, an icon. I want people to see that I have a Casio, a Rolex, a whatever it is. So Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, people want to kind of have their watches speak for themselves, I, I guess. Like with any piece of, of thing or clothing that you put onto yourself, you kind of want to send a message, I would say. Even if it's the one that it says, like, I don't care what you think about me, it still kind of is saying something about you, isn't it? So, yeah, exactly. Agree. I think for the same reasons we we wear um, t-shirts with a logo and I don't know hats with with some sort of message um, or mm -hmm. have mugs with certain logos um, on them. So, or, or, oh, yeah. what was that logo? That Let is uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Oh, see, oh, it's football. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, exactly. I, I totally agree. That's that's the thing. And but it's it's an exciting and interesting question.
to ask yourself if you are owning a watch, wearing a watch, um, to think about like, yeah, like, why do you wear that? Not not to be like offensive, like, why do you wear that? But just like, hey, why do you wear certain things? Why, what do you want to, to, to I don't know, say in to a way? To communicate, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a good question. So do you have a favorite watch, like out of everything you own so far or you're mm-hmm. aiming to right. own or aspiring to? Is there such well, a thing as a favorite? Yeah. I mean, you can you can put it into two categories. There's like this grail watch situation, which is basically, uh, for those who don't know, a grail watch is something that you aspire to. It's like sort of this like unicorn that you probably won't never be able to obtain. At least that's what a grail watch is to me. It's like this, this one watch that is so incredible for some reason, but so unobtainable. So for me, that's the Rainbow Daytona. It's... Uh, a very limited uh, Rolex and you need to like people who haven't seen it before google it it's it's intense looking it's crazy looking it the bezel is made from like rainbow colored sapphires so Rolex has to actually go out and source the perfect perfect stone in the perfect color to achieve the perfect rainbow and everything about this watch is just so incredible it's complete it's gaudy I totally agree with people who say that it's very kitsch but It's incredible. I just love it. So that would be my Grail watch. I will never be able to afford it. I will never be able to to get it. I'm I'm sure. I mean, one can dream, but let's stay realistic. So that's like my my Grail. But my favorite watch right now, hmm, it's hard to pick because right now I'm I'm actually loving two watches very much. It's the one that I'm wearing today. It's the 36 millimeter candy pink oyster perpetual from Rolex, the release from last year. Um, that's the one, and it's so it's so great. And do you do you like that watch out of like beauty reasons, design? Is it just an 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 icon sort of that you like to wear and what it says about you? For for what reason would you say that's my favorite? It's my favorite. Well, uh, so on on one hand, it's Rolex is, is known for releasing watches and only changing very little about them. They kind of improve their classics and step by step try to, I guess, achieve perfection in a way or like their sense of perfection. And so the Oyster Perpetual for me is, it was a gift, by the way, <laughs> but still it's it's sort of this, to me, it's the essence of Rolex. It's these clean lines, clean design super well-proportioned case and then you have the dials with the 2020 release that were I guess inspired by the old Stella dials from Rolex. Rolex um, used to I think it was like the 70s I want to say or was it 70s when Rolex released their day dates with super colorful dials like really like it was like a turquoise blue or you got like a purple and orange really intense colors and so these oyster perpetuals from last year kind of i would say took that as an inspiration and went for a softer approach in terms of color so you got like this pastel pink got like a pastel like a light blue then you also get like orangey coral sort of color as well and a yellow a green and it felt like a breath of fresh air to me it was so refreshing to see Rolex embrace that heritage and bring it back with a twist and it's a perfect everyday watch to me it's 
Like I said, the 36 millimeter looks sporty on smaller wrists, which I really appreciate, but it still has this like elegant flair to it because it's really simplistic. You've got no date, so you have a, a very flat sapphire crystal on top with no like cyclops lens to enlarge the date. Everything just works so well with this. I'm, I'm a Rolex fangirl, if you can't tell. So this one is just brilliant. It's great. It's like such a nice springtime watch as well. And the other one that I'm really in love with right now from my collection is a Tudor Black Bay 58 that I've been wearing a lot recently as well. It's more of a tool-ish sort of watch. It's also interesting. I'm just realizing that it's also a form of like a vintage reissue because Tudor released a diver way back and the Black Bay 58 is sort of a like an homage to the, the previous, the early vintage uh, Tudor models. And it's also a very simple watch. It has a black dial, a matte black bezel, a three-link bracelet, very down-to-earth, just simple. Um, you've got the snowflake hands that Tudor is known for, these like big chunky hands. And I really kind of, like right now, I want to, I just, I prefer simple stuff, I guess. Maybe it's the time that we are in right now. I, yeah, I don't want like fancy stuff right now on my wrist. So um, I'm going back to my classics. Okay. No, maybe it's the loud and, and sort of noisy times that we are living in. Uh, we go back to Probably, simple. Probably, yeah. Um, I think overall a, a trend or overall a, a movement that you see across, across culture, across brands, um, people are looking for stability, in the past i think this is why we see a lot mm. of retro coming back um this yeah. is why we see um brands like reebok fila having really sort of a, a second breath um, they do because it's like i think subconsciously it gives us security it gives us something that we knew or we used to have um in terms of sneakers and fashion and now you say watches as well so it makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense to me yeah, that's that's a good point. It's like you, you kind of look like to the good old days and see what they did and kind of want to have a piece of that. That makes sense. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, you, you see that that you see really across like the whole collecting part, I think, is mm -hmm. as well something, a dynamic that gives us security that reminds you of childhood. I don't know, you collect a panini thing, like stickers for your World Cup or whatever it was and sports cards and... Is that a thing? I don't know. Perhaps it's just like this US American or European thing. I've seen a lot of people collect Pokemon cards. Is that a thing? Um, with, I mean, with you? Have you heard of it? Yeah, of course. Like I was um, Pokemon, <laughs> Pokemon sports cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I have them all. You did that? Are you, you still have them? Unfortunately, I do not. <gasps> Me neither. Ah, see, we would have been millionaires by now. <laughs> this, is, this is something that I don't know when it came up a year or two ago sort of on my radar of this is a thing now um mm -hmm. i called actually my mom back home and i said are there any old boxes that have still some cards in them because i mean it's been now three and a half years here in Qatar, and i did not take my pokemon cards um but yeah unfortunately i don't, <laughs> I don't seem it. to have them no me neither me neither and i could bite myself because i i remember um like playing on like when you were on like a lunch break in school and you had your stickers and cards and you would trade um, and you would trade you, them, yeah. play all sorts of games. Do you, I don't know, how, how do you call that? We didn't have a specific name for that game in school, 
but you would place them, you would kind of fold them a bit in the middle. You would place them on the ground and then you would uh, try to whack them over with like your hands. I'm doing like a sort of like a wavy motion. Um, and then whoever were was able to like move, flip them over by like doing this like sort of hand motion to create like a wind um, yeah. would get the card, which is what a weird game, but that's what we did. No, I can't remember us doing that. Um, no, <laughs> was that a South Germany kind of situation going on? It, it, it seems like no. We we were trading those um, mostly. I think not. Mm. I didn't even play with these cards. I think like I I never really got into. This is how you play with them. I think um, no one knew is, how to play that. No, Let's no. Be this real. is how how <laughs> strong your your thing is. Um, no, I did not get into that. But I always like to. I don't just have them. Collect them. Um, mm -hmm. This was for Pokemon, for Yu-Gi-Oh. It was definitely for the whole Panini uh, Europe Cup, World Cup situation every year. So we'll see if, I mean, Qatar 2022, I don't know if we will have such a collector's thing. But if yes, I will definitely start again. Yeah, yeah, do that and then just seal it in a box and put it away and then wait 10 years and see how it turns out. That's a good advice. <laughs> Good. Um, one sort of question I wanted to ask as a follow-up actually on the smartwatches. Um, mm -hmm. There is, I don't know if you see it like that, but I see it in sort of sort of affordable fashion brands. Now we have the whole influencer thing going on across platforms since years. They bring out their fashion. They bring out their watches. We have brands like Daniel Wellington appearing out of nowhere we have for me out of nowhere i would not be educated if they are longer around sure um and then you have like influencers wearing these things and then it becomes a thing mm -hmm. um is that something that you see as sustainable is this how new watch brands are born is this is this even a thing well i mean oops, I, I get what you're saying it's like you kind of have this perception that there is a new indie brand like indie watch brand popping out of the ground every like five seconds and to an extent i would say this is true a lot of people see that the watch industry or market has grown a lot in the past like five to ten years i mean i i i've not been in the game for that long but i can still see how it changed even within like two years how the interest has changed how so many diff different people come in and I feel that a lot of people now see that as an opportunity to make money, uh, quick money. And I mean, it, it's like due to globalization, it has been so much easier to like create a brand and you source part from this part of, 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 the, of the world and do marketing in the other part of the world and then ship it out. You don't really have to have the physical product with you for you to sell it which can be good, but can also be a bad thing. And I would say in terms of watches, those there are a couple of, of fashion watch brands like Daniel Wellington that I would say are sustainable in a way, perhaps not like in the ecological, but economical way. I think there will always be people who look for um, good looking, but affordable watches. And if you don't really, which is like, I'm not judging. I think it's absolutely fine wearing Daniel Wellington. If if that's what you want to wear, then go for it. I think it's great if people want to wear actual wristwatches, no matter what they are, how they um, 
buy them from from what. But I feel that a lot of micro brands try to jump on that bandwagon and they will inevitably fail because they're just in for the quick buck and don't really understand what's what goes behind it and why people at the end of the day invest more money in watches and I yeah they come and go basically there are a few who stick around and they are doing a great job I mean they do great job in marketing and using influences um, and then I mean that's that's fair if they are successful because they work for it but a lot of them they're just they come and go interesting point of view I think um, yeah what you what you address here is just the the depth um, if we look at more established uh, watch manufacturers um, look back historically you were mentioning Rolex Audemars Piquet etc there's a different depth to the whole Mm -hmm. field but um if you mentioned like newer brands will play out over over time how sustainable or how only shallow they are so yeah thanks for for your point on that um i think at this stage we've, sure. we've touched on quite a few things um we did <laughs> from watches over pokemon over <laughs> um smart watches and daniel wellington and your point of view of that <laughs> uh, how to get started with watches so uh thank you for that I have one last question that we um, sort of ask uh, everyone on, on the podcast. Sure, fine um, way. Is if you could have dinner with any three people, uh, alive or alive or or dead, who would that be? Oof, that hits hard. Alive or dead dinner? Hmm. Got to think on that for a couple of, of, of seconds. Who would I go for? See, like, I've got, like, so many people go through my mind and, and you know what? I think the first one would be Steve Jobs. I want to talk to Steve Jobs and, and kind of get to know him as a person and just try to absorb as much as possible because I think he's such an interesting person. And shout out to my husband, Kai, who forced me to listen to his biography. Um that kind of got me into like the whole Steve Jobs phenomenon. So that would be number one. Would it be all three at the same time? Uh, yeah, why not? If you want to make it a... Sure. Sort of a... <laughs> Trying to think about who would get along with each other. Who would be number two? Oh, hmm. Trying to think of like an interesting historical figure. There are so many. Perhaps I would go for the Sun King. Was he Louis the Fifteenth or Sixteenth? You would know better build, than I. Who built Versailles? I kind of just want to hear him speak about himself because I think that would be very interesting to see what a person who built that big of an empire would talk about himself. So I just sit in and have him have him chat to me. So that makes two: Steve Jobs and and King Louis. And that's a very that's a that's a very male dinner table. Let's, let's do see. we have a lady joining maybe do we have a, we do have i think you know what let's go for cleopatra and uh because she was she was balling big back in the day i think she would have a lot of things to say about how to navigate uh herself in in such a male-dominated climate and just get all the tips from her and how she handled situations i mean she was a successful woman yeah. So yeah, I think let's let's stick to those three. We would have Cleopatra, King Louis, and Steve Jobs. 
interesting dinner tables. <laughs> it would be, it would be. Oh my God, what would we even eat? I wouldn't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you so much, Jenny, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, all so the best cool. moving forward. And I hope uh, maybe one day your dream becomes true and uh, you you take a shot on the, the rainbow, rainbow day tonight it was, right? Thank you. I'm crossing <laughs> my fingers. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It was so much fun. For sure. See you.